Welcome to Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast with Elizabeth Crawford, where I dish with trendsetters, tastemakers, and industry experts about everything from emerging trends to regulatory pressures to marketing strategies. As consumers settle into pandemic living and establish new shopping and cooking habits, they increasingly are looking for more than just nutritional sustenance from food and beverage products. They also want a deeper emotional connection that one branding expert says will be vital to companies' ability to keep and continue to attract new consumers. So yes, in the early days of the pandemic, conscious consumerism did take a bit of a backseat to simply stocking pantries with whatever stores had to offer. But as supply chains have recovered and more brands are able to meet increased demand, shoppers once again are evaluating options based on how they meet shared social values, including sustainability and racial equality. But simply adding on-trend call-outs and buzzwords to packaging or posting performative messages on corporate websites or social media isn't enough to placate, let alone win over mindful consumers, warns Beth Taubner, who describes herself as a transformational brand strategist and creative director for Mercury Lab. Rather, she says that brands seeking to create lasting connections with modern consumers must first take a deep dive into their own psyche to identify their authentic beliefs and values through a process that she calls real-world consciousness raising. She adds that these must be woven consistently into every aspect of branding and messaging and be given sufficient time to take hold to truly be transformational for brands. In this episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast, Tobner shares strategies to navigate this process, which she developed for entrepreneurs and brands of all sizes, and which she also offers through a range of services, workshops, and turnkey solutions. So while the chaos of the pandemic has devastated many aspects of the food and beverage industry, it's also created opportunity for brands and retailers to reflect on how better to identify and meet evolving consumer needs something that Tobner says some have taken advantage of more effectively than others. So one thing that I have noticed myself and statistically is that large online and physical retailers like Walmart and Target have benefited from the pandemic. What I found has been very interesting in terms of Walmart's offerings is that they have more options for specialty diets. They have really picked up in a, in a, a very soft launch kind of way, kind of examining the market to serve people with different needs, not just the kind of middle of the road take on what they were offering in their supermarkets. They're very strong on gluten free and they're carrying products like beech nut organic baby food where you would normally have gone to Whole Foods to get that, for example. I think they're responding really well to shifts in consumer behavior. They're testing the market and expanding their offerings. I think that they've been very, very on trend. Target also has more unexpected options, and I, I feel that that is in alignment with their brand. This is what you would expect from the first retailer to sell method cleaners. I, I think that they've been great, and they have both gained market share on Amazon. Amazon, I feel, has been more complicated from a brand perspective. First of all, they've had trouble fulfilling their delivery proposition, which is their big signifier, 
And so that has not been good for them because their their brand distinction is not based on feeling. It's based on fact. To me, it seems that there's been a big split in this brand in terms of what they say they are, who they say they are, and who they actually are, so that the commercials that they ran during the pandemic did not strike a real note to me because they're talking about how much they care about their workers and then in the background they're lowering the hourly rate for their frontline workers. I I think that that has, I've talked to a lot of people about this and people found, some people said to me that they found their advertising to be repulsive. That's a very strong word. So, sorry, Amazon. From a CPG perspective, Tomer says that the pandemic has revealed several trends on which smaller, more nimble, and better-for-you brands are well-positioned to act. These include an emerging demand for DIY products, products that are local or from specific provenances, and brands that approach packaging more sustainably. A lot has been written about uh, the opportunities for local uh, farm stands, organic. I've seen grow your own as being a big trend and the trend of having less waste and using everything you buy, whether it's because you must uh, shop that way or because it's philosophically what you're in alignment with. I've been talking about it as being like the victory gardens during and after World War II in Britain where people were encouraged to grow their own food to support the troops, to support themselves. I think the issue of provenance has become very important. And in the UK, provenance has been more clear for quite some time than here in the US. When you go to the market, you know exactly if you're buying cheese, you're buying meat, you know what farm it came from, what dairy it was, what area of the country, and who the farmer was. And that gives the consumer a real sense of confidence. Also, in the UK, they're way ahead of us in terms of packaging. Now, I think that this is an incredible time for um, development in food packaging. In the EU, there's more plant fiber-based packaging, which looks like plastic, but is not made of plastic. And... I think that that is something that we should be working on more in this country. I Because, again, if you read consumer interviews, a large majority of consumers want less plastic packaging. I, lastly, I want to say on this topic is that what I have observed is that there's a split in the marketplace between the people who are going towards comfort food you know, and a lot of uh, fast food and, you know, bread baking and all of that with kind of the health-conscious, self-sufficient consumer. So you have that, and then there's also the other people who are just interested in safety and speed. I feel that this is very emotional, very psychological. It gets to the fundamental ways that people feel safe or threatened about the food that they eat. For companies to effectively capitalize on these trends and make the most of opportunities presented by the pandemic, Tobner says they first need a clear sense of who they are, which she helps uncover at Mercury Labs through what she calls unconsciousness raising. Now, 
our programs, I would say, are real game changers. Traditional brand strategy, which is where my training was, is based on discussions of differentiation and external perception. Now, those things are important, but our work is focused on the internal culture and belief systems in a brand first. We are interested in doing a deep and profound look into the psyche of your brand with the proprietary process that we've developed. We dive into the personality, the family background, the psychology of the person at the dynamic center of the brand, whether it's the founder, the CEO, the you know president, um, and then the psychology of the team, their belief systems, and how that inner culture meets the outer world. And in this way, we can develop a blueprint that is right for you. You want to be in a place where you know yourself so well that you can target the consumer and you understand who your consumer is. For each entrepreneur, company, or brand, no matter the size or industry, Tamara says she always starts her analysis by asking clients to complete a writing exercise, which she knows listeners can and should do on their own if they want a clearer picture of their values, what they offer, and where they sit in the competitive landscape. They need an hour, and they can take that. I call it a therapeutic hour. I tell my my clients when they're starting their work with me to go to a quiet place, a place that doesn't stimulate their worries. And they really need to let everything out in a stream of consciousness way without judgment. That is the best way to make a space to get to kind of a place within yourself that's a little more quiet that can give you some good information. And so that kind of exercise is is incredibly value, valuable. You can talk about anything from where you've been, what you're feeling frustrated about, what you're feeling worried by, you know, your fears about your finances, you know, problems you're having with the people who work for you. You have got to get it down onto paper in black and white because as long as it's sitting in your head, you cannot cope with it. It, it, It's not possible. It overtakes everything. So that is the first thing that I would do. And I encourage people to do that exercise more than once. You... I like my own clients to start by doing it twice and know that the answer is not going to come through the writing. The answer will come after you write because the writing makes space for you to get a little bit of clarity and say, right, I can do this one next step. You don't have to do 30 next steps. I'm all for 30 next steps, but you could only do them one at a time. You know, you're not writing a match.com posting You have to be looking at yourself and looking at your brand and looking at your company in a very honest way. What I describe as the good, the bad, and the ugly. Just getting that first layer of chatter out of the way will enable you to make space for starting to look at your culture, your team, where you want to go, and so on. And I can tell you that this is not easy because when you start, you tend to focus on capabilities rather than meaning. And so you have to push through that to get to the emotional level. And just think about how you're emotionally connecting with a brand. And that will give you a big cue as to how people are going to connect with you. What you ultimately want to be able to do is to marry this deep 
meaning to create short and long-term strategy that evolves over time while always being true to the heart of your brand no matter what. You use it for product development, packaging, all marketing, media, brand voice, language, visuals, store design, and so on. Once an entrepreneur or a company puts their self-reflections on paper, Tomner says that they can be more easily distilled into messaging that can be used in every aspect of a business, from product development to packaging to marketing and communication. Messaging is the distillation of your attributes of that authentic self and your strategic positioning into statements and sound bites that communicate your brand with consistency and distinction, and then you adapt it to different platforms. So this is one of the most powerful elements in communicating the authentic heart of your brand. We do messaging as part of every strategic project that we do. And when we talk about language in our workshop, we do talk about messaging because you need to be able to distill who you are and what it is you're trying to say and to modulate that based on the audience you're talking to, but always with the same core. So how you're writing and talking to the consumer is key. You know, if you look at a brand like Jack Jack Daniels, we see their ads and we understand their mythology. You know, our client was the creative director who invented and built the history of the Jack Daniels voice. He created the history, the voice, the identity. What I say is the sense of a yarn or a fable well told. Now, if you're standing in the tube in London, I see people who are standing and reading every word of those subway posters and they don't get on the subway until they're finished reading. It's incredibly powerful and it's through language. So, you know, from my point of view, once a brand understands who they are and they weave this into everything that they're communicating, whether it's ads, campaigns, uh, you know, Facebook, social media, they have to be rigorous, right? At the core of the message is you, the brand, connecting with your audience. And then everyone who's part of your team has to take these messaging tools and say it in their own voice. Messaging also must be consistent, and entrepreneurs or brands must give it sufficient time to take hold. Once you determine your attributes and your strategy, you have to stay the course. You cannot panic. That is really important. I realize that market conditions have changed, and the economy has changed, and people can be fearful, and people can be hopeful, and we don't know what's coming next, and, you know, there's a lot of suffering going on. At the same time, you know, part of what I've tried to talk about are brands that are leading from the heart, and I think that that's really important if that's part of your brand. Another thing is to be realistic from a marketing standpoint. You know, marketing is not immutable. It's not like you come up with one idea and that's the only idea or you come up with one channel and that's the only channel. I I have a client that I've been working with for the past 14 years and we've expanded, you know, we really elevated her brand from a kind of B minus C plus brand to an A level brand. We expanded from New York into London, you know, she has a great brand positioning. And she said when she starts to panic about a marketing campaign, she always, and that always happens a couple of months into a campaign, she always hears my voice in her head that says, be patient, 
You have to allow the marketing time to work. So that's important. I think that another aspect is that you develop brand campaigns that never lose sight of your deep core, no matter what the superficial changes in style are. Like maybe you're using different visuals or, you know, you're going into a different kind of store or you're moving in a different, into a different part of the country. You, you really have to be always connected to your attributes and your capabilities, which is very traditional brand strategy, but very real. Delving into a brand's values and creating a communication strategy takes time and funds, two things that many smaller brands may not have in excess when launching. And while it may be tempting to put off resource-intensive undertakings like this one to instead focus on driving revenues, Tobner cautions new brands and businesses not to delay strategic development. I think in particular for younger brands, they see a trend and then they just jump on it, even if it's not right for who they are and what their strategy is. I find that a lot of times they're underfinanced and in a hurry. And so you really have to have a very honest look at how much money you're you're going to be able to spend in the first year without making any money. I wanted to talk um, for just a moment about a charcoal water company that I met um, at the last, one of the last shows that I spoke at in the UK. Now, I can say that this was a delicious product, really amazing. And I think charcoal is a really, really great substance that more people need to know about. And what I talked about with him was that he had to educate his market before he could sell his product. So I felt that he was a little bit ahead of the trend, but he didn't have enough money to educate the consumer about this new ingredient and its benefits. And he said to me, well, you know, maybe I can work on my strategy in a year. And I do hear that a lot from young brands. And that is not a good way of going forth. In the beginning, you have to work on your strategy. There's so many resources out there, which may not be at the kind of depth or, you know, level of expertise and rigor that I would bring to it and my company would bring to it. But there are lots of, you know, incubators and um, small business loan programs. Another common branding mistake that Tobner says she sees is companies or entrepreneurs taking on too much without sufficient dedicated resources. From a behavioral perspective, we can only keep three balls in the air at any given time. So for you as a young brand, think about what are the balls that you want to keep in the air? Is that going to be you know, going out in your car and trying to sell your product into farm stands throughout, you know, the Southeast? Is it alongside with the paid social media or free social media or doing Instagram takeovers and um, and your website? Are you going to be, would you rather put your money in having a salesperson who can be working alongside you? You have to make the hard strategic choices in the beginning. Tobner says she also often sees companies not fully use low-cost or free tools, such as social media, competitions, and earned press, to stretch their branding budgets. I think if you've reached the point where your brand is doing well and you are 
clear about who you are, what your attributes are, what you stand for, you know, who your consumer is, who the wide variety of your consumers might be, you have to continue to work on getting press coverage. You know, you can enter food awards. That's a great thing. And it's something that consumers take very, very seriously. I worked with a dairy company, and I can tell you how much money they made out of winning Taste Award year after year after year. And then I I think people have to be smart with their social media, as I said before. Remember, it's not a posting mechanism. It's a brand mechanism. And there's lots of great things that you can do on Instagram, doing takeovers and all kinds of ways of being, working with other brands that are, are in alignment with you. I think it's also important that you listen to the audience that you may have lost. That's a really, if you can find a way to talk to those people, I think that is really great. You have to listen to the audiences that you have, and you have to also be very clear about the audience that you would like to have. The last common mistake that Tobner says she often sees that can negatively impact or limit a company's branding is also perhaps the most unexpected, and that's dismissing self-doubt. We all have that voice that, you know, is an undermining voice or a worried voice. And one way to cope with that is by writing. I do have my clients do a lot of writing because you have to dissect that voice. You can't kill the voice off. That is like really, you know, a psychological fact of life. You can't kill the voice. You have to invite the voice to the party and give the voice a job. And so if there's a naysayer voice that doesn't have courage, listen to that voice. Maybe they want you to be more prudent. Maybe they want you to slow down. Maybe they have something really valid to offer to you. And that's great. Invite them to the party. And and that way you have a more, I think, actionable relationship that's really rooted in things that you can accomplish um, that are true to you, to you, to your team and your brand. So I know that it's possible because I I see it time and time again with my clients where they start in that state of mind and we're able to engage more fully in all all the different parts of who they are and who the team is and the internal culture to come to market in a way that feels more holistic in the true sense of the word, more integrated for everyone including the consumer and including the person in the middle, whether you're selling it directly or you're selling it, you know, as physical retail, physical and online, however that may be. Well, there's no doubt that taking on a negative voice in your head or even delving deep into your own psyche to better identify a brand's authentic core is a challenge. Tobner stresses it is not one that entrepreneurs and brands need to tackle on their own. Mercury Lab offers workshops, a la carte services, and full programs to fit any size company or brand. More details can be found at mercurylab.com. But even entrepreneurs and brands that opt not to work with Mercury Lab, Tobner encourages to take even just 15 minutes a week to reflect and write down their feelings, where they are, and where they want to go. And over time, she says, this investment will add up and companies will gain better clarity into who they are and where they want to be. With that, we reach the end of another episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast. I hope you'll join me again next week for another installment. 
And to ensure that you remember, I encourage you to subscribe to us. Until next time, this is Elizabeth Crawford wishing you a productive, profitable, and safe week.